1: All right, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nina Pantic, joined in our studio in Midland, Michigan by my co host, Irina Falcone.
2: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: And our guest for this episode is tournament director, Talea Shilb. Talea. Hello, everyone. Okay, so this is Talia's first podcast, so first of all, thank you for joining us, and we want to talk about Midland. Midland is a 100KITF, Uh, it's a USTA event, and it's in its
3: 32nd year, but you are a first time tournament director. Tell us how you got here. Um, I'm a first time tournament director, but I have worked in Midland for 15 years, so I'm 15 years strong with this tournament, so I've just worked my way through the ranks, and I... To be honest, I think I missed a meeting and lost a toy co- coin toss for this. So,
1: <laughs> fair enough. And w- it's been 32 years. You've been involved since 2004. What does this tournament mean to this community? Oh,
3: it means so much. Um, the housing opportunity. All I hear all year long is, "Long as it is, my player coming back. Can I have the same player? Can I?" I hear stories about how they all talk um, to each other throughout the entire year. They get Christmas cards. They get invited for weddings and birthdays and trips. And it's like uh, we open up our houses for an entire week, but we actually grow our family.
2: It's funny you say that because two different families that I've stayed with here, the Gibbons and the Russells, they both have places in Florida. And every time I see them, it's in Florida or here. So yeah, I've maintained a relationship for over 11 years and that's not uncommon here at this tournament. I mean, it's pretty uncommon, I think, with most tournaments, but here it's like, it's just part of it.
3: Yes, it's amazing.
1: It's a little known fact that some tournaments or a lot of tournaments offer housing to players. That's so unique because you're not staying in a hotel. You have a kitchen and a home and maybe a dog to play with. It's so nice. But also I've noticed and I've from my research about this tournament is the crowds come
3: in. You know, wh- people are coming to watch tennis in Midland. And that's I think that's unique. We have such a tennis community, but Michigan alone is a huge tennis community. So we bring in spectators from all over. So we have people that drive in two, four, six hours just to come for the weekend to watch great tennis.
2: So you were saying earlier that you kind of climbed up through the ranks to get to where you are. Where did you kind of start off and uh, what's been your most favorite position in all the years working it?
3: I started off as the gopher. So, Talia, can you go for this? Talia, can you go for that? <laughs> um, but I was so willing to just be involved because it's such an exciting week here. Um, and then I took over a slice of the concessions or hospitality, and then I added player hospitality, and then I added director of hospitality, and now I'm director of the whole thing, so... <laughs> It's a natural progression.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's What goes into kind of figuring out the player field? Because I know you have to decide on wild cards. Is that something the USTA decides, or is that something that's up to you? And how does this all kind of come together player-wise?
3: It's a combination. The USTA gets so many um, wild cards they can give, and then we are given a main draw, qualifier, and two doubles wild cards that I have to decide which was a new piece for me because I actually had to look up rankings and see who wanted them and who made sense and who would draw a crowd. And, I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into it.
2: So a lot of people don't know this, but you can actually just go online on usta.com and request for a wild card. How many did you get? Did you get many requests from players?
3: I got about 75 emails Okay, wow. So you have to narrow it down
2: (laughs) to just a lucky few.
3: I had a couple players calling me every day since November. (laughs) (laughs) They're eager. I
1: mean, it's a big tournament. A $100,000 tournament is on the verge of being a WHA 125K. I mean, it's just on the cusp. It's big. And the ranking points, prize money, the glitz, the honor, Mm -hmm. the crowds. I mean, this is going to be a really cool tournament. And it's running uh, February 3rd to 9th at Midland at the Midland Tennis Center. And Irina, you're a wild guard.
2: I am. I am a USTA wildcard this week. Um, But I did get an email from the tournament director. Thank you, by the (laughs) way. Um, But yeah, it was a a great email knowing that... You're wanted. Yeah, it was was nice to be wanted. You know, no one ever feels Uh, bad about being wanted so it's one of those tournaments where I actually got to the finals before about only 10 years ago maybe I think it was it was a it was a while ago so there's a lot of great memories here so I love it I mean I just it's just funny to me that a few days ago I was in front of the ocean and then I was in front of the snow like two days later so yeah no
3: it's a great place and Irina is a crowd favorite here Oh. So when you walk around and you ask anybody who's your favorite player, a lot of them don't know the ones that we only see a year or two years or whatever. But you've been here so much that I feel your name is always mentioned just because you're, you do outreach and you're involved with so much while you're here. It's way more than tennis.
2: I agree. Like, it's so funny. I know the drivers and I know all the people there that are handing the towels. And yeah, I mean, you get to know everyone, especially 10 years running. I mean, yeah, you definitely <laughs> get to know the people.
1: It, I'm, I'm. This is my first day here in Midlands. So to me, it already feels like a very special event. And it's hard sometimes because fans are so used to these big tournaments and Grand Slams and the Australian Open just finished and you're used to famous faces, but there's so much happening in a place like this and I think it's incredible and tennis should be everywhere but Irina you just said you went from the uh, sun to the snow how does this transition happen like you were in Australia a couple weeks ago and you're still here so you always kind of had your eye on coming anyway despite the climate change
2: yeah it's one of those things where climate change sometimes is a factor in figuring out your schedule but Midland is one of those where I really did want to play it and uh, if I would have Stayed a little longer in Newport. I don't know whether I would have played it, but uh, glad you lost, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not glad, but uh, glad that the girl I lost to did end up you know getting as far as she did. She made the finals today, so did feel good about that. But uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you really never know where you're gonna go the following week. I mean, you can go. I I was speaking to a girl earlier and she was telling me, she's like, yeah, I went from uh, clay to outdoor hard and now going to indoor hard. So it's just, you just got to roll with the punches pretty much.
1: You do. And Talaya, rolling with the punches as your first time, I know that your time is valuable, but I want to ask you so far, just a few days in, what's been the the biggest challenge?
3: I feel like it's um, time management. Because every time somebody is looking for me, I feel like there's 10 people looking for me. And they're literally in a line asking questions. And so I'm not feeling like I'm progressing forward, getting my own list of things completed because I'm spending so much time just directing. However, we have a really good staff and they have been amazing. The support I've had from the staff and the community is just, it's blown my mind. Because I have people coming up to me every day saying, this is so awesome. This is so much better than last year. And, and that's the kind of stuff you want to hear as a first-timer because you don't want to feel like you let anybody down.
1: And you have eight days, and then in eight days you get to celebrate what you've accomplished. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. I don't want to waste too much of your time. So final question for Talia. If somebody in the community is, watching, is listening to this episode, uh, what should draw them in to come
3: watch? I would say it's great tennis. However, it's so much more than tennis. We have dining from all over the area. We have concerts. We have free events. There's, there's just so much going on. So if you've never seen a tennis match, you need to come out and experience this because it's not what you see on TV. It's not what you think you know about tennis. It's so much more. All right. Perfect. A perfect pitch. I mean, I'm (laughs) excited.
1: I'm excited to see what happens here. I'm excited for you to play. So thank you, Talia, for your time. We'll let you go. Thank Thank you so so much Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Tennis.com podcast. Our special guest for this episode, Talia Shilp, is telling us all about the 100K Dow Tennis Classic in Midland, Michigan. Keep listening. right, so Irina's still here. We're going to keep going with this episode. And Irina, you know what? I want to go back to the Australian Open a little bit. It just finished. Sophia Kennan came out of not really nowhere in my opinion, but won the title over Muguruza. And then Novak Djokovic, who was my pick, by the way dominic team so we'll get into that but first what was your experience because you got there for qualifying and i know it wasn't a dream experience but you were there in the heat of the midst of all of that air quality stuff as a player who was there describe it for me
2: i mean to be honest there were so many great things about my trip to australia the actual tournament was probably not the best um I arrived to Canberra. Let's just, um, let's actually start from the beginning because I arrived with the doors actually closed to LA. When I got to LA, like I had a flight from LA to Melbourne and the doors were closed. That's how delayed my flight was. And so it took some begging, crying, screaming to get on that flight because not only did I have that flight, I had an Completely different flight to Canberra. I had hotels. I had so many other things, all right? Got to Melbourne, got to Canberra. Once I landed, I was like, there's no chance we're going to be playing in this, okay? So it was just not the greatest start. We were there for two days, and then it's like, all right, we're moving the tournament. Still so much credit to Tennis Australia to be able to just say, all right, we're moving a tournament to a completely different facility and everything. Fast forward. But you um, on a bus, right? The whole tournament gets on buses and goes over? Well, that was the thing. Or a six-hour bus. They had a bus, but it was going to leave like a day and a half later. So I wasn't going to spend another day in Canberra. So I had to buy a flight to Melbourne. And thankfully, the housing family that I've stayed with for the last 11 years is going to go to Canberra anyway. And she's like, well, Bendigo is only two hours away. We'll drive together. So we drove together, which ended up being great. But once I got to Melbourne, it was also really bad air quality.
1: Wait, when you were in Canberra though, like when you say, I don't understand what bad air quality feels like. I've been to China and I know that it LA is sometimes polluted, like sure, but nowhere near that scale. What does it feel like?
2: You could taste it. You could taste the smokiness. You could taste it. And I don't know if you've ever tasted smoke, but it's not great. I don't smoke uh, cigarettes. So, and the air wasn't, it wasn't like hazy. It was orange. It was straight up orange. And- You just didn't want to be outside, and the hotel we were staying at was also really hazy. So you didn't want to be outside at all, and you didn't want to go crazy in the gym because, oh, this air quality was smoke is. They compared it to smoking twenty cigarettes a day. Mm. So you didn't really want to be out there. Um, And then, fast forward was in Bendigo. There were a few bad days in Bendigo as well, but it was all under you know the The levels. Yeah, yeah. under the level two
1: hundred. Yeah.
2: And then, um, unfortunately I got a respiratory infection, (laughs) so that was really fitting. And then going into Melbourne, I didn't really practice much, um, because of that. Uh, so unfortunately lost a heartbreaker 10-8 in the third set tiebreaker, um, to a girl that was playing really well. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was something I'd never experienced before, um, It was just a lot going on, and I felt sorry for Craig Tiley and the entire staff because you're trying to make everyone happy, but you're also trying to make sure that you deliver on a tournament that's supposed to happen, and um, if anything, I'm just amazed and just so happy with the amount of relief and the amount of money that was able to be donated to the Bushfire Relief. So that was the positive.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the main the main story and the main focus is, of course, the devastation in the country and the wildfires and the animals and the people who are affected. And all of that is the main the main concern and everything that everyone is raising funds for. It's the tournament did go on. And I felt like with every passing day, the fires and all that became less news, uh, maybe because the air cleared up and the fires have gotten better, which is great. But it kind of disappeared. But to me, that's good news. Great news.
2: It did kind of disappear, or I think people just stopped talking about it because it was like, hey, there's so much devastation going on, and you guys are complaining about, you know, a tennis tournament. Yeah, perspective. but at the same time, it's like, you know, people were recommended to not go outside, to not be outside, yeah. yet you were wanting to have world class athletes go out there and, you know, put their lungs to that. I, I saw both sides of the story. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, hey. He got the tournament done when it was supposed to be done. So, he did. Yeah. He did. And uh, were people wearing masks? At one point, yeah. I think, I mean, Yikes. it was uh, it was the way to go. And in Canberra, they actually sold out a mask the first day that the fire was really bad. It's just hard. Yeah, it's hard
1: for someone who wasn't there to imagine what it feels like. So I'm glad I got to ask you, even though, you know, it is kind of older news now and we've moved on and things are improving. But, you know, I got to talk about Sophia Kennan this is someone that I remember at the age of four or five running around tournaments with her dad and, you know, having all these photos back then. There wasn't Instagram or Twitter. It was websites. She had a website and it was her with like Capriati and Kornikova. And you're just saying, think- and, and from my perspective, I was a teenager. and I was like, man, this kid is like front and center. I hope she makes it because there's already a lot of pressure on her. Right. If you're kind of a prodigy at that age and then to see her win a grand slam, it's like, yeah, but I mean, I thought she kind of was making it before. I mean, she was good last year. She was good the year before. But a grand slam.
2: What's your take on Kennan? Uh, to be honest, I called it like five matches ago. I uh, It's funny. I actually told um, my coach, I was like, it's going to be Muguruza and Kennan in the finals. Um, and I'm not surprised that Kennan won it. I mean, she was just striking the ball so well, and she was just undeterred no matter what came at her. And you could just tell she's so feisty. She just doesn't really give a expletive on what's happening. You know, she's just out there to win. And, uh, you know, I think it was one of those things where she actually, like, put it out into the universe at a very young age, and she just kind of knew. She was like, you know, this is my dream, and this is what I want to do. And dang, yeah, but she called it.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
2: Hey guys, it's Irina and Nina hitting you guys up from Midland, Michigan, where yesterday there was a snowstorm. And today we're talking about Sonia Kennan, Grand Slam champ, who two years ago actually played this tournament. Keep listening. There's something to be said about that mentality.
1: She has that Russian uh, nationality in her and that you can see it. It reminds me a little bit of Maria Sharapova because she will never give up. And the fighting spirit, it seems so simple. I don't know, you're you're still playing actively. And when I played and everything, it seems so simple to be like, well, of course I'm going to fight for every point, every ball and try so hard. But you have to have a certain commitment to that, to really do it. And she's doing it times 10,000 because she's not giving up and she's not,
2: not believing in herself. She's still going. I think it's a commitment to your belief in yourself too. Credit to her dad who's ingrained in her. Like, hey, you're amazing. You're good. You're good. You're good. That takes a lot of guts to be able to believe it in yourself as well. So- to be able to deliver that. And I think, I mean, she was down set points against Barty in both sets. I know everyone talks about that, To to be able to just go ahead and just believe, Hey, I'm still going to win this. I'm still in this, like no matter what, I'm still just going to keep going for every point. And that's what I love. Like when her back was against the wall, she was like, I'm still going for my shots.
1: She was, and you know, never, never die mentality. It's just, it's amazing to see it work. And, to pay off. And it, it reminds me a little bit of Novak Djokovic who won the men's title, but that to me was less of an interesting storyline for, for many reasons. But now he has grandson number 17, which is more interesting as he gets closer to Rafa and Roger. But for the most part, for me, the, uh, the most interesting moment of the men's final, and this is incredibly biased is when he got upset. So he was at four on the second set. He loses serve. He has two time violations and he gets upset. I get it. And he uh, touches, touches, taps gently the umpire's shoe, and that I mean Twitter blew up. But I I mean is that an offense? I mean you're not supposed to touch the umpire. What did t- Twitter say? Twitter was upset because of course the argument is well if Serena did that she'd be disqualified if Nick Kyrgios did that he'd be in jail. You know like that's not what they said, but you know that's the the reaction is gonna be Novak is so loved and he's number three or number one now. Sorry. He can do whatever he wants, but come on, like a tap is not, he wasn't trying to hit the guy. He wasn't aggressive, but bold. I don't know. I love drama.
2: I'm pretty sure that you're not supposed to touch anything, anyone like, like that's just unacceptable. But at that stage, I I doubt that the umpire is going to be like disqualified. I mean, of course. Yeah. But I can't even mm. imagine how much Twitter would have blown up after that. I mean, that, that would be, that would be chaos, but. I didn't, I, I'm going to have to watch the video. I do know that um, he actually made the comment like, hey, good job. You just became famous or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, so he that's touched him and then, and then did that. Yeah. yeah, when he sat down, he said, you know, well done. You've made yourself famous, which Dom Peri did not. He's yeah, not famous. Yeah, but the
2: thing is that should have received a, you know, that that's an offense, isn't it? I think
1: have to, from what I understand, you have to use... Bad language, or uh, maybe offensive. being more aggressive. And he wasn't really being aggressive. He was being sarcastic, yeah. which I also, I mean, uh, you
2: know, passive, creative. Aggressive.
1: He's be, Yeah, he was being uh, a yeah. little. And then, you know, that's like whatever. Novak won, grandson 17. I'm invested in the Djokovic storyline because I think he's going to pass Roger, but he hasn't yet. So, my other favorite moment, and you're going to relate to this Ashley Barty <laughs> lost the semifinals. We just talked about it and brought her niece, like a 12 month, 12 week old baby, into press with her. And sat there for, like, at this point, over a five-minute press conference with this kid in her arms. And I was like, this is a power move. Like, this is incredible. And, of course, her her whole spiel was it's all about perspective. You know, I did, had a great Australian summer. Semifinals so is a great result. You know, she's world number one, but it is. With the baby in her arms, I was like, wow, this is the best moment ever.
2: Well, I recently just became an aunt, yeah. so I can definitely relate to this because it really does put it in perspective. At the end of the day, her niece is not really going to – care what she did what her result was whether she won or lost she just wants to see her aunt and i i'm i'm so blown away that's such a it it was a power move but i don't think that it was coming from a oh i need to make headlines it was just like hey at the end of the day this is what matters
1: and i loved it i was here for it and i i mean you have a, a new niece so i think you understand more like it's Something so beautiful, and having you know, she said, "Oh, you know what? My niece doesn't know what's going on." She gave me a hug anyway. I'm like, "Yeah, she's a baby.
2: <laughs> she is a baby." The fact that she can actually give hugs already—it's yeah, I don't know if crazy. it was like, but you
1: know, it was, I think it was you know, an embrace of some sorts. That's awesome. I'm. I uh, yeah, that's one of my top moments. So the Australian Open is still fresh in our minds, but we're here in Midland, Michigan, at the Dow Tennis Classic, and I wanna I wanna ask you one more question. How do you go from Grand Slam to you went to the WTA 125K series in Newport, and now you're at the ITF level? To you, is it all about just this is my job, tennis match, tennis match? I don't care how glamorous it looks. This is still glamorous, to be fair.
2: Yeah, no, I trust me when I tell you that uh, it's very easy to get caught up in that Grand Slam life, and you're like, holy cow! You know, I went a few years ago. I played center court at Wimbledon, and the following week I was playing a 60K. I went to a tournament where it was a porta potty situation and there were no locker rooms. It was barely a gym and uh, you only got one can of balls a day and it just really puts things in perspective. Um, And yeah, coming here, going to a grand slam at the end of the day, you know, my coach said it best. He's like, just got to play the ball. No matter where you are, just got to play the ball at the end of the day, no matter the opponent, no matter the location, you just have to respect you're respectable and play it no matter what,
1: no matter if it's indoors in the snow outdoors in the bad haze yeah.
2: on air bad, quality, bad grass. Like you just yeah. have to roll with the punches. for I respect much.
1: that. All right. Well, we're going to close this episode. We're here at the greater Midland tennis center in Midland, Michigan. So if you're listening to this and you're in the area, come on by to see some amazing top players. The field is stacked and Irina Falcone is also playing. So, this episode, our special guest was Talaya Shulb. So thanks to Talia for her time. And thank you, Irina Falcone. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chiu.